Welcome to the One Life Podcast. Being a business owner is potentially the best path to build personal wealth. However, embarking on an opportunity, whether full-time or as a side hustle, is incredibly tough. I believe that understanding finances is integral to the success of your business. The purpose of this podcast is to empower you to understand, manage and grow your business finances and therefore your personal wealth. I invite you to join me every Friday as I share insights and actionable strategies to make your business serve you rather than you serve your business. I'm your host, Andrew Wilson. Well, welcome to the One Life Business Podcast. Today, I am very pleased to introduce to you guys, Mr. Jamie Selby. Uh, welcome, Jamie. Thank you. Excited <laughs> to be here. So let me do a little intro. You're an accountant by trade, so for your thoughts. Yes, I am, yeah. <laughs> maybe an entrepreneur. You are an award-winning author. You're a husband and a father. I am, yes, most proud of that one. <laughs> uh, a key person of influence, and I know you th- because you're a member of the Tears of Freedom program. Yeah, I love it. And the reason that I'd love to to hear your input about business as a whole is because mm. not only have you got the history of being an accountant, but you've run a business yourself. Also, the major point is that you know a lot about pricing. As an award-winning author, you have a number of books that you've published, and I'd really love your input on uh, some of the questions that I've been posing as I've been (laughs) posting these these podcasts. Fantastic. Can I get a bit bit of background from you on the the sort of type of clients that you dealt with in your accountancy firm and when you run your business? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I ran uh, an award-winning accountancy practice here in the UK called uh, Mad Accountants, uh, (laughs) which I was a little bit mad, um, but it was ultimately to make a difference. um, And we made that the ethos of the business. We we typically worked with uh, owner-managed businesses uh, ranging anywhere from uh, 10 million, uh, anywhere down to 100,000. We had a varying client base. Um, It was quite a a general practice which <laughs> will make sense as to ultimately why I uh, I ended up actually selling that business there was a lot of things happening in my life at the time um, namely my uh, my sister-in-law had passed away she was 34 with two kids which was a bit of a slap in the face uh, wake-up call that I needed I think I needed it and I was kind of looking at my business it was a general practice I was working all hours godsends and you know I was making I was doing a lot of things right but I'd made a wrong decision uh, to do an acquisition Uh, the acquisition didn't go very well Uh, needless to say it cost me tens of thousands of pounds which put the business under a lot of financial pressure that combined with and this was in the same month um, as my sister-in-law passing um, and it was just too much to bear so I actually sold my business to my dad which was <laughs> I think more my dad coming to the rescue <laughs> to kind of save me and and, and uh, kind of bring me out of that and then from there actually I, I just wanted to help more and more people and I was looking at ways of trying to connect with more accountants and bookkeepers and it was funny because I was just on LinkedIn replying to a few messages and a message came up from Mark Wickersham uh, and he was looking to work with uh, a coach or consultant to come and work with him uh, with cloud pricing. And I was like, well, that, that sounds amazing. Absolutely perfect. So reached out with to him 
and then I started training accountants and bookkeepers, uh, ultimately how to price. So we're running group events, we're running one-to-ones, and I probably trained, I would say, in excess of a thousand accountants and bookkeepers worldwide, which was really interesting because to go from pricing in your own business and doing it very, very well to then training people, I actually learned more training people on how to price because I could see the errors that I had made um, in pricing in my own business. And it was really interesting, obviously, seeing the global, how people price globally is quite consistent and they're all kind of typically making the same problems. (laughs) Okay, well, I think we'll get on to pricing because this is this for me is a major issue for almost every business in every industry. It's really interesting to hear that you've trained so many people because the first few few of these podcasts I've spoken about controlling your costs and how important that is. Now, now we're going to be looking into pricing and and the sales side, and I'm wondering from your perspective how important the cost element is on its own as a standalone and then the second question i'll ask two at once is does that does that impact on pricing in summary yes and yes good um (laughs) because with uh with pricing i think the one of the biggest mistakes most people make uh with pricing is pricing by the hour Now, the reason why that is a huge mistake is because when you're pricing by the hour, how are you then controlling your costs? Are you working out your cost per hour? Um, If you're working out your cost per hour, so so say, for example, your cost per hour is £10 an hour and you're charging £15 an hour, you're actually only making £5 an hour. Does that make sense? So, So many business owners are not maintaining that control on those costs and the biggest cost is is actually themselves and they're not including themselves as a cost because mm-hmm. you need to be paying yourself first, whether that is a wage. And, and I know we've got all these tax efficient ways of, of, of paying ourselves <laughs> as, as entrepreneurs, but ultimately from a pricing point of view, we have to start with ourselves. So how much are we going to pay ourselves How much are our costs and our overheads for the delivery of our service? Are we going to bring in any outsourced labor? You know, what would be the cost of replacing myself if I was to pay somebody else? And would I still then therefore make a profit? And without trying to like overcomplicate it, it's just a case of adding those things together to get to what, what I like to call the seller's reserve price which is the lowest price you can sell your services at. You cannot categorically, you cannot sell your services any lower than that. Because if you do, you're losing money. You may as well go and get a job. Yes. Yeah, which many people do. And (laughs) you must have seen this. Interestingly, training accountants, and just to set the record straight, can can you please answer the, the, the question, which is accountants are just as bad as every other business owners, aren't we? You yes. know, we learn over time and we do improve and we do have solutions to problems. But we start at the same place as every other yeah. business owner starts. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly where I started. You know, when I started my accountancy practice, you know, I, I sat there in, in my office and I've got a client sat right in front of me. Um, and the client asked that famous question. So, 
how much do you mean? And I'm like looking at a piece of paper and I'm like, ooh, ooh, uh. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to work out how many hours the job's going to take. And I'm like, right, okay. So I was, I was paid 50 pound an hour before. So I'll charge 50 pound an hour now. And I worked it out and I worked out it was two hours worth of work per month. So I said to the client, oh, a hundred pounds a month. And it, the client accepted, but then soon did I realize that it was not two hours a month. It might've been two hours of my time, but then you've got administration time. I've got an office to pay for. I've got staff, you know, ad, uh, admin, uh, I've got software. <laughs> um, soon did I realize that I was probably making, I don't know, less than, less than minimum wage, but you know, that's my story, but it's so, it is so common within the accounting and bookkeeping space. You know, I was speaking to, I'm trying to be obviously conscious of uh, confidentiality, but basically uh, they were charging 15 pounds an hour and they were offering to do, it was effectively 15 pounds an hour. It was 150 pounds a month fixed fee. And they were going to do my accounts. They're going to do VAT returns, bookkeeping, payroll, monthly phone calls, like the list, the list was a mile long. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. The the amount of value that you're giving, like, can you be my accountant? Because like you're giving away the most amount of value for the lowest price I've ever seen. But that was it was quite a common theme when speaking with accountants and bookkeepers. And typically the way that they got to that rate was either what they'd been paid previously in a previous employment or what their previous employer was charging for them. Do you mind if we just go back to your original point, which was that you do need to understand your costs. Yes. So therefore set your pricing. And I think that is exactly what I've been trying to say since day one of this podcast, which is start with the very simple stuff, start with the stuff, you know, and then get to the stuff that you don't know. And let's be honest, no one really knows where their pricing should be from day one, because if they did, you would have a a million people in your industry doing the same thing. If everyone could make money. Yeah. So let's, let's go to, to uh, fixed pricing. So when, when you're, when you're looking at uh, offering a fixed price, there's a lot of fear from a lot of people saying, well, my cost is variable because my time, it could take me one hours, it could take me two hours, it could take me three hours. Um, And I think it's important to understand that yes, there is that element of cost when you're you're offering a fixed price for a service, but you you have to understand that. I mean, if you don't understand your own internal systems and processes and how long it takes to do that task, then sit down, work out how long it takes to do that task, estimate a little bit higher. So for example, if you think it's going to take two hours, plan for three hours, because then you've you've got a little bit of a buffer there. Actually plan for four hours, because then you've got that buffer there. You can always, you can always over and exceed uh, clients' expectations, but obviously understanding that that is your cost base. And if you were to replace yourself, which is the important one, if you were to replace yourself, you need to have budget within the um, what you've quoted as a price to the customer to be able to employ somebody to then put on your shoes, to be able to deliver that work. And that, that the only way to do that is to understand what that cost is to replace yourself, what the cost of the software is, <laughs> You know, I've, I've seen so many accountants, um, including the, the software within their fee, 
but they're not including it within their fee, if that makes sense. Like, because they, they're including it saying to the client, we, we will pay for your QuickBooks subscription or your Zero subscription. But then internally, what they haven't done is they haven't said, well, okay, it's £100 a month, but actually the subscription to QuickBooks is £30 a month, so we should charge you 130 And a lot of accountants were just going out there saying, no, I'll just charge £100 a month and include it. It's just, I mean... It's a recipe for failure, let's be honest. <laughs> and Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I think we all suffer from is undervaluing ourselves. And, oh. and like, just, but not just internally in so much as saying, you know what, this is what I physically want to earn, but undervaluing yourself to the client as well and saying, and, and we do this in all ways, you know, we want the business. Ultimately, we want new business. But there must be fair exchange, which is fair recompense for the work that's actually carried out. Definitely. I think one of the things that Michael Gerber says, which I like to think of, is if you're not doing things by systems and processes, you've, you've got a job and it's the worst job in the world. And, and I couldn't agree more because when you look at your business and you look at the costs and you're looking at how much uh, you're, you're charging uh, for your work from a pricing point of view, it's simple uh, or it's simpler to, to, to say, okay, this pen, right? So if we're trying to sell this pen and you've heard, you've probably seen it on Facebook, but we immediately, what we need to understand is what, what's the system and process that's going to take to get this pen to the customer? How much is that going to cost to get this pen to the customer? And that's your starting point. That's to get to your seller's reserve. And every business owner needs to understand that. How much does it cost to get your product to the customer? Because if you've got that, then you've got the foundations right. Then then you get to the exciting bit, which is the value proposition. Um, and somebody once said to me, you know, if, you, if you're in a room trying to sell somebody the pen, it's, you could say, um, here's, here's a contract for £10,000, if you want to use this pen, I want £1,000 for using this contract. But if you sign that contract, I will give you £10,000. All of a sudden, the value of that pen is obviously, I'll give you £1,000 for that pen right now. And then all of a sudden, it turns into a bidding war. Well, I'll give you 2000 I'll give you 3000 I'll give you 4000 <laughs> But obviously, the value of that pen has just gone up because it's the only pen in the room. And it's the only pen that can sign the contract. Value pricing comes more down to internal beliefs and how much you believe that you're worth. And I want to turn that on its head because it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, ultimately, it's the value to the customer. Before we get on to the value to the customer, yeah. on, the, on the seller's reserve that you talk about, on the, yeah. which is effectively your, your overheads plus your direct costs put together, that is your seller's reserve because you yeah. want to break even and include yourself in that. Because you yes. fall either Amen. within a direct cost if you're providing a service or if yep. you're providing a product, you're an overhead. So yep. you have to do that. That doesn't matter whether you are, as I say, providing labor or as a service yep. or selling products. It is the same process, correct? Exactly. Yes. Fine. Yep. That, that's good. I just wanted to clarify that for anyone listening, because it, what you do hear sometimes is, oh, well, my business doesn't quite fall into that bracket. No, every business falls into this bracket. You yeah. can do this no matter what you do or how you do it. You just need to spend the time and physically do it to get to that first point, which is your seller's reserve. 
And now, if it's okay, could we talk about mindset and business <laughs> mindset, which I think is is incredibly yeah. important to be successful and to and to not feel like you are effectively in a job, a thankless yeah. job. Yes. We're either working 18 hours a day or alternatively, what does happen, and you must have seen this with accountants and other business owners when you were dealing with those, is you begin to see resentment. You resent the work that you're doing and you're you're supposed to be providing value to people. And how can you provide value if you resent providing it? So two things. Um, one is fear and uh, one is abundance. And I think the, the two mindsets are very, very important when it comes to uh, pricing, because when you're pricing from a place of fear, like oh, I have to get this contract. If I don't get this contract, I can't pay my bills. Uh, like panic, panic, panic. You are going to undersell yourself. Yeah. You are going to, you're going to sell it at the wrong price. Um, and you know, you're going to struggle, but at least you can pay your bills. And, and this comes back to one of the, the tough principles of ha- making sure you've got a cash buffer, because when you have a cash buffer in place and, and it's, it's an amazing how quickly this can change your mindset. And what I mean by a cash buffer or cash reserve, whatever you want to call it, a war chest, <laughs> as I've heard it called, called before, is, is look at how much it costs to pay your bills every single month. Um, and if, for example, that's £2,000 a month to cover all your bills, that's your, your mortgage or your rent, that's to cover your food, all of your expenses, so that you can survive, it's making sure that you've got at least three months, so £6,000, before you actually start your business. And I think this is a common misconception with uh, people starting businesses, is actually they don't have the right uh, finances to start a business. Um, and when you do, I tell you what, like it switch, literal switch in your head, because when you've got that money in your bank and you're sat there in front of a, a prospect, you're coming from a place of abundance because you know that you don't you don't have to win that contract. You know that you're covered for three months. So you can you can price whatever you want. And if you don't win that contract, it, it's not the end of the world because you've got three months <laughs> to go and win another contract. And three months is a long, long time. I, I can talk about marketing and stuff there, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but ultimately, it's a long time to have a lot of conversations, let's say, um, with potential uh, prospects. And if you've got nothing else to do because you've got no work, you've just started your business, you can come at it from abundance you're talking about that's you personally you need yeah. to have that and that's for your personal mindset and one of the things i will be talking about on this podcast is not only to have a personal cash buffer but also for the business to have a cash Amen. buffer in there as well because what it does is it just it just extrapolates that that confidence yes which is you know what i don't need this client it's that fear mentality i'm yeah. If you are fearful, you will undervalue yourself, as you say, 100%, seen it a million times, done it myself. And I'm sure you have done it as well when you began. We've all done it. There's no one out there that starts off and does not have fear. And one of the podcasts was actually about fear. But that position of abundance gives you confidence. And that confidence that you get will mean that you can present value to clients. 
Definitely. And, and, and my question, I guess, to the audience is if if you were to charge more money, do you think you can deliver a better service? Everyone should hopefully be saying yes, categorically yes, because you've got more money in the budget. It's almost like if you were have a, have a budget for a wedding, <laughs> you know, the bigger the budget for the wedding, the bigger the wedding can that it can be. Um, and that's exactly the same when you're pricing your work and you're working with uh, the client that sat in front of you and you're offering them a value proposition. You're saying, look, you know, if you work with me, I don't know, I'll help your business get to a hundred thousand pounds. You know, what, what's that worth to you? And all of a sudden they're like, well, I'll quite happily pay 25 grand. And if they can afford to pay it, you think if you've got 25,000 pounds, how much value can you bring to that client? And ultimately, can you help them get a result? And I think categorically, yes. Whereas if if I was trying to get somebody a hundred thousand pound result and they were paying me twenty five pounds, can I deliver a result? Probably not. Is there anything else that you that you've seen over your experience that you say, you know what? Yes, it's a little bit left field, but people do make this mistake as well because of this it does come back to that fear and abundance. Um, and I think the, 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 the biggest mistake that I've seen accountants and bookkeepers make, and it is pricing by the hour, because ultimately when we're talking about mindset, you think about it from the customer's point of view. If you're charging by the hour, they're considering you almost like a quasi employee. I can call on you whenever I want, and you're just going to charge me this hourly rate. Because that's the relationship you've just started. You've just said, I'll charge you £25 an hour. I can do this, 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 this. Like, these are all the things I can do for you. Now, you just tell me when you want them. So the client, it, it, it's, it's, that, it's that shift from the employee mindset to the business mindset. And you really have to make that transition to say, well, okay, I don't want to be an employee. I don't want to own just a job like Michael Kerber says, because it is the worst job in the world. Like if you're getting paid an hourly rate and you're being treated by your, your customers like an employee, it's horrible. I hated it. And, and, I, and I quickly transitioned to fixed pricing where I also made mistakes because I didn't know my seller's reserve price. And when we get to the seller's reserve price, also one of the key things there is understanding. And this is one of the things that the, the, the common mistakes people make when fixed pricing a service is taking into consideration how many hours do you actually want to work? If you're going to say, I'm going to work 2000 hours a year, you plug that into a calculator. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> you know, when, when are you going to take holidays? Are you going to actually pay yourself holidays? So if, if we said to ourselves, I want to get paid £50,000 a year, which is a, a, a nice sum, you can get a good mortgage, good holidays, good savings, you know, it's a good amount of money to earn. But then ultimately, how many hours do you want to work to achieve that, that sum? Um, and you have to include that as a service-based business. If you don't, just be prepared to be burning the midnight oil. There are big differences between being an employee and yeah. running a business. It's interesting, isn't it, that you say about holidays, because I've, I've always spoken to people about the fact that if you run your own business, mm -hmm. you need to be earning enough money to be able to take your holidays. Yeah. And if you are earning by the hour, 
if I go on holiday, it's costing me double because not only am I not earning the hour that I should, that I'm working, but I'm spending money that I previously have earned. And that, that is a real problem. And that's why hourly billing is not a good idea. And our hourly setup is not a good idea. I couldn't agree with you more. It has to go categorically. Like if you're charging by the hour, and this is to anybody listening to this, like you have to learn how to charge a fixed price. You have to learn how to just get to that seller's reserve price. There's, yeah, there's there's lots of resources available. Um, I will have an ebook uh, available soon for people to be able to download and 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 better understand that. You have to learn that skill, and and it is a skill, and it is a skill that needs to be learned. But the basics are get that that cash buffer because that in its own right is going to change your mindset from that fear to to that abundance, and that will help you just when you're having that face-to-face conversation to come at it from a point of, of, of strength. And, and, and to be fair, you're going to close more business because if you, if you're sat in front of your customer and you're like, um, well, um, yeah, it'll be a um, hundred pounds a month, like no, com- not confident. Whereas if you're coming at it, no, uh, that'll be a thousand pounds a month. We're, we're very good at what we do. Uh, everything will be, you know, you'll have peace of mind. You can sleep at night. We're going to get you covered when it comes to HMRC. We're going to be your financial coach, helping you to get to uh, your end result. So ultimately, you don't have to be worried uh, about cash flow problems within your business again. You're coming at it from a position of power, a position of strength. You're going to close more business because people will will, will feel off that. They'll be like, no, this person's really confident. They know what they're doing. I am getting what, what what I'm paying for. One of the things that you do here in the accountancy industry and across quite a few different industries is to charge a fee of three times an hourly rate as such. Yeah. Is there any element of that that you build into your your sort of planning and your mechanism for pricing? Uh, no, you start you start with the end in mind. So you 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 have to start with what you want to make from your business, whether that be half a million, whether it be a hundred thousand, whether it be fifty thousand, what whatever that number is that you want to earn from your business, you have to start with that. Then you add in your costs, your overheads. Um, you know, is is there going to be any cost of uh, the sale? So cost to deliver that service so are you going to bring in outsourced labor uh, per se are you going to bring in any employees you need to add that on and then we get a total number so for example very very simplistically if you wanted to earn fifty thousand pounds and you had fifty thousand pounds worth of overheads you know categorically that you need to earn a hundred thousand pounds a year in sales to hit that target and and that's the way that you you start and that's the way you get that seller's reserve once you've got that hundred thousand, you divide it by the number of hours you want to work, and that's your cost per hour. That's not your hourly rate, if that makes sense. So it might sound contradictory, but you have to understand your cost per hour as a management metric. And when you understand that metric from a service-based business, um, in particular, then you can price knowing that you cannot go any lower than that. Because if you if you do guess what? You're not going to earn your 50 grand unless you work more than the hours you're prepared to work. It's just simple maths. It's not, it's not rocket science. Um, yes. You know, and some of the terminology 
hopefully is not not falling on deaf ears but you know it's 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 literally take how much you want to earn and then add on your expenses your costs what is it the cost of your your to run your business the software your van your tools the um the laptops you know all of those things your your internet your, your zoom and turnover to a certain extent is a fool's errand isn't it because explaining to a client that this is what your service will cost and then finding subsequently that you're losing money on it or spending double the amount of hours that you've ever thought you were going to. And once again, I will say you will start to resent it and then your service will suffer and your client won't enjoy it either. And ultimately you, you'll lose the client. It's not a sustainable business in that in that respect. There has to be an ex, a, a fair exchange not an unfair exchange. I don't think anyone here is, I don't think you or I are asking for us to be paid, you know, a thousand pounds an hour for, for an accountancy service that you can get down the road for 150 pounds. That would be unreasonable. So I'm not suggesting that, but I think we all need to be mindful of ultimately what we want, the number of hours we want to work and what we want to earn from it. Yeah, and, and you're right. And I think when we look at that, hourly rate analogy that you just gave you know a thousand pounds per hour that there is no value in that if that makes sense like I know I think there's there's an urban I don't know if it's an urban legend or truth that if you wanted to have uh, dinner with Warren Buffett it's something like a million dollars to go and sit with him and basically just have dinner with him I, I don't know how true that is but when we actually look at the value proposition, when you go and meet Warren Buffett, you are going to have loads and loads of photographs. You're going to have loads and loads of exposure. All of a sudden, your status has been has grown exponentially. You know, people people want to be people want to know you because they're like, oh, this guy this guy knows Warren Buffett. Does that make sense? Like, so when you're a person of influence and the only way to become a person of influence is to have a, a niche or a niche, but, you know, be the best at it, you know, like Warren Buffett, like Tony Robbins, you know, Tony Robbins, he charges, I think it's something like 1.125 million for his coaching, but there's, I think there's something like a three year waiting list, you know, and he he's, he's the best in his business. So when anybody's sitting there with this fear, you know, oh, I can't, I can't charge a thousand pounds per hour. You can't tell the client that you're going to charge them a thousand pounds an hour, but Tony Robbins isn't saying he's going to charge them a thousand pounds an hour or a million pounds an hour. <laughs> he's saying to them, look, you know, come and work with me and I'll get you a result. Yeah. You know, to work with me, I'm the best in the business. It's going to cost you 1.125 million. Yeah, working with me isn't the end of the transaction. It's the start of the transaction. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why it pays to be uh, the specialist. You know, it pays to be, to have that niche or niche. Uh, um, Jamie, tell us of some um, some success stories that you've had with, with training oh, well, um, accountants, maybe one or two. Okay. Um, so one client, uh, I've just got to be careful what I say. Yes. Uh, so we helped them negotiate the highest fee I've ever seen as an accountant and bookkeeper. It was a half a million dollar contract uh, for bookkeeping. And the client didn't sign at half a million dollars. They signed at $280,000. The client was only going to charge uh, $100,000 for the work. Um, but we, yeah, myself and Mark, uh, Mark wanted them to charge more than 280000 
um, which is where we got to the half a million dollar fee. Uh, and I'd worked with them to get to the $280,000. So huge, <laughs> a huge success there. My own success uh, was four and a half times uh, what I would have charged based on hourly uh, to a fixed fee. That was uh, amazing for me. That was a real confidence boost. I've got a client who the average hourly rate that they're achieving from their business as a management metric. So every hour they work in their business um, had went had gone from $60 to over $228.18. I remember that, which was like, wow. Yeah. That's three and a half um, times. Three and a half yeah. times the hourly rate. Yeah, exactly. And it, if I'd have told him that at the start, he'd have said, no, there's no way clients would pay me $228 an hour, which is effectively what he was getting. It's not what he was charging. I just want to make sure that's clear. That's what he was achieving. It's not what he was charging. Can we talk so, about staff and leverage effectively can be a route to not only you having more time to do what you want to do and spend time on your business rather than in your business, Ultimately, as a, a business owner, what happens is um, leverage. So for, for example, you could have a £1,000 uh, contract, let's say it's £1,000 a month. And let's keep the math simple. Let's say that's 10 hours worth of work. So you get £100 an hour for your work. So you're thinking, well, that's, that's quite good. And then we look at a member of staff. And let's say we pay them uh, £25 an hour. Um, we still have to work on it one hour. So we're actually adding time onto it. So it's actually taking us 11 hours now. Let's keep the math simple. So we're paying them £25 an hour and it's going to take them 10 hours. The cost to us is now uh, 250 So that £1,000 contract less the 250 means that we've actually got £750 left for our one hour of work. Yeah. So how much money have we made? And then extrapolate that across your other clients it, and, your, and, and yeah. services that you're providing. Staff are really very important in a business, but they do yeah. need very clear metrics. You know, you do need to be able to analyze the information and make sure that they are hitting those 10 hours and not spending 20 or 30 hours because that will obviously affect your, your margins and will, which will hit your net profit. Well, this, this is why, again, hourly rates do not work because in the accounting industry as well, we, we are not, as a chartered accountant, I have to tell the client if I'm outsourcing the work. So for example, if the client is paying me £100 an hour, I, can then, I can't then go and outsource it to somebody in the Philippines at $5 an hour. So for those $10, I would have to, I would have to tell the client under a fixed fee, if they're paying me a fixed fee of effectively £100 per hour because that's my seller's reserve price, and I'm charging, again, £1,000 for that contract, I can bring in somebody from the... And I'm just using this as an example. Um, I could bring in somebody from the Philippines at $5 an hour or £5 an hour. Let's keep it simple. They can do 10 hours worth of work. I can also bring in somebody in the UK for 10 hours, um, at £25 an hour. I can then bring in a manager at five pound, uh, five, for five hours, maybe at £50 an hour, and I'm still making money on that contract. If I was charging by the hour, I would have to charge for the manager. I would have to charge for the technicians. 
uh, and I'd also have to charge for myself. And all of a sudden, you've just priced yourself out of the work because you've got 35 hours worth of work that I've then got to charge uh, per hour by. And that's that's not <laughs> that's not the way to run a business. You know, that's not the way to add value to the customers because ultimately I've gone from just me doing the work, maybe taking 10 hours to having a team doing the work and they're spending 35 hours and actually I'm making more money now. So I'm making more money from the business as a vehicle and the client's getting more value because they're actually getting covered by a manager uh, and two technicians. Yeah, that makes sense. Ultimately, when you start a business, you you want not just financial reward, yeah. but you want to live an inspired life and you want to do what you want when you want to do it. You don't want a job. Yeah. You don't want to effectively be working for one person and you certainly don't want to be working for 50. No, you, you're exactly right. And I think, again, to quote Michael Gerber, you know, you, when, you, when you start your own business, you become the owner, the manager, the technician. You know, and that's that's three job roles. Um, that's too much for anyone, you know, and, and it is the worst job in the world. You know, I've been there. I've got the T-shirt and it's not one I ever want to wear again. The only way to avoid that <laughs> is to price correctly. Like you have to price correctly. You have to understand what is the cost of your delivery of your service when you're sat in front of that client. And I know there's this, there's this kind of, I don't know, stigma, fear over outsourcing. But again, let's look at the numbers. The more you charge, right, do you think you can outsource to some of the best people in the world? And you don't have to outsource to the Philippines. I was just using that as an example. You could outsource to the best branding expert in the world. If you're charging the right fee to the client and you factored in how much it is to pay to do that work, all of a sudden the, the the business gets so much simpler because you're charging a thousand pounds, you know that your costs are 500 pounds. So you know that you've got a profit of 500 pounds from that contract, yeah. you know, and you don't have to go and then employ a member of staff, which is what, again, a common mistake that people make, especially when starting out in business, because you think about it, when you start in business, Let's look at a retail business, and Andrew and I will know this very well. You, a retail business starts every single day in minus, every single day, because they've got their overheads, their light, their heat, their uh, the cost of their premises, all of those costs. Every single day, they start in minus. So it's almost like they've got an, an empty cup or that needs filling, and the the filling it up, you're trying to fill it up with water, which is the money. <laughs> And you you have to fill it up to the top just to cover your cost. Yeah. I always think um, about it as a, a coffee shop and think yeah. <laughs> how many cups of coffee must they sell yeah. before they actually make any money? Yes. Yeah. And it, and that's why getting the pricing correctly. Um, and we, we talk about, uh, we're talking about success stories. So I worked in coffee shops. This is quite topical. So there was a coffee shop down in London that was, basically three months of going uh, bankrupt basically i was going to run out of cash um i called an emergency meeting uh, booked a train went down there the next day they couldn't afford to pay me so i agreed no win no fee with them it was a five figure fee 
I went down, I went down there immediately changed their prices of their coffees immediately introduced three tier pricing. If it's good enough for Costa, if it's good enough for Starbucks and it works for them, it will work for these. And they went from losing eight and a half thousand pounds a week to breaking even uh, in, in that in that three month period. And that was just just from pricing correctly. That nothing nothing else. No no like advanced marketing. No uh, you know not not uh, changing anything. You know we we did simplify the menu, and that was to reduce costs from uh, staff base. But ultimately, all we did was change the the pricing structure uh, on the menu, increase the price of the food, and people were prepared to pay it because they got value from it. So pricing correctly from a business point of view, from a personal point of view, it's managing your finances. Like you quite categorically, I would get very, very stressed as a dad, um, as a husband, you know, every time I saw the bank balance just going down, 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 down. I didn't used to have a cash buffer. You know, I didn't used to have savings the amount of arguments that that I've had with my wife, you know, fallouts, potential divorce, because of um, money, and the lack of it. And ultimately, the lack of understanding it because we weren't managing it, the the money came in, the money went out, we we spent it uh, every single month. And, um, you know, you talk about managing your costs and your overheads, it's exactly the same in business as it is in life. You have to manage your costs and your overheads. I know the pressures on, on parents and, and business owners, um, you know, rising house prices is just increasing that pressure. And, you know, categorically, it needs to change, but you don't need to keep up with everyone else. You just need to keep up with what you're doing you know, you don't need to own that Tesla, not just yet, just get your money, get your finances in order. Then look at your business, look at your pricing, how much more do I need to charge? So that I can have that Tesla. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's very simplistically um, how you do it. And that's how you're going to live the life that you want. Because as soon as you remove that stress, and you're now in control of your money, and your business vehicle is giving you the money that you need, and the money that you want to buy the things that you want. Again, I'm just using a Tesla as an example because I'm a bit of a Tesla fan. That's the way to live an inspired life. It's not just to be frugal and, and not spend and, and not have the things that you want, but it's ultimately to be in control of your finances. And that's something we've done exceptionally well as a family in the last, uh, well, since joining uh, Tears of Freedom. So another plug there. The premise behind this podcast is to is to really get business owners, but not just business owners, people people that are thinking about potentially mm. starting businesses to identify, control and grow their business finances, but also their personal finances. And nothing here and nothing you, you or I have said is revolutionary. Nothing, nothing, nothing here is um, is a, a solution. Overnight, we can we can solve all of your problems. And there's a, a, this is a get rich quick scheme. None of this is a is a very quick turnaround get rich quick scheme. And you have to work on the little intricacies and get the wins when you can get the wins. And I think that is all about identifying it. You know, we're, we're, both of us are data-driven people. We work with with, with numbers, but yeah. if you don't have the numbers in front of you, 
you're you're never going to know and and not knowing that's worse that's the yeah. worst position to be in because all of a sudden it will creep up on you and exactly as you said you'll yeah. see your your bank balance reducing your personal bank balance and yeah. that's when it becomes very very personal you know yeah. money money is um emotive and if if you don't pay a staff member yeah what do they do if it, i'll give you a really good example you don't pay a staff member they will call you they will call you again they will then turn up at your door they will then demand their money you've got to think about as a business owner you've got to think about your money in exactly that way as well what would you do to get that money that's it that, and that's where we could we talk about debt collection your employees need to know yeah. that they are part of this ecosystem of your business and they are so important to the, to its success but that andrew that's that's another reason why not to charge hourly rates because hourly rates you raise the invoice at the end of the month that takes a lot of time to a do timesheets b to work out you know how much you're charging the client what what rate were they <laughs> to then send them an invoice that they then have to pay. So they then receive the invoice. They're like, wow, that was more hours than I thought. They then sit on it for a week, don't pay it, and then eventually pay it. You know, and and you you just end up, you know, chasing, <laughs> keep chasing those debts. And it's just causing more and more stress and strain on on you. Whereas if you if you charged a fixed fee up front where they pay up front, so they've paid already, they paid to have access to your service you then give them access to your service for the month you've already got the money in your bank yeah so irrespective of whether you get that 100 right and i don't know anybody nobody not even the best person in the business mark wickersham to get their pricing 100 right all the time just because to clarify you, you you're not saying that they that a business doesn't need to still track the amount of time that they're spending on doing their jobs what you're saying is don't charge it out based on the number of hours spent. Exactly. Right. Fine. Good. And, and, and that's it. That is all about, again, identifying your costs and ongoing. You've got to consistently do so. Don't just agree a price at the start and then go, well, that's it. Job done. I've agreed that price. That's it. You have to analyze your, your work by project, by clients, by wh whichever metric you want to use. But we, we, we say that, Andrew, but I also think very strongly about this is that you're saying that business owners need to do that. And yes, they do as a business, but not necessarily them. And this is where the accountants, you know, go and speak to your accountant, go and speak to somebody who's analytical, go and speak to somebody who's data driven, right? <laughs> Have that valuable conversation because, you know, what we're sharing on this podcast is it can be game changing. It literally can be game changing. But if you're not that analytical and you're kind of listening to this podcast thinking, that's a bit overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, speak to somebody who's got a financial brain. You know, you don't have to be the one that's implementing this stuff. No, this is about knowing about it, identifying yeah. it, then controlling it. It, it's not saying you have to do all of those areas so yeah big shout out for all of the uh, the accountants listening we're not forgetting about you we're not trying to put ourselves out of work in any way shape or form what we're trying to do is just say to people you must be mindful of yeah. these things okay mindful um, of the skills that you've got uh, yeah absolutely yeah most business owners don't want to spend a lot of time on their finances at all but there's there's a fundamental difference between not spending time on it and never understanding it yeah um, so would you mind speaking about your books? 
Um, so I've got a, a few books. Um, I've got the Better Business, Better Life, Better World, uh, the movement, which we, as, as a co-author, basically what we're trying to do with that and this book, Legacy, um, is we're just trying to change the world a little bit at a time. With the UN sustainability goals, um, the UN got together and put together the 17 goals and simplistically, we need to hit those goals by 2030. Um, otherwise, there might not be a legacy to kind of leave after all, let's be honest. You know, and um, I'm very, very driven by doing good uh, in the world. And that's what prompted us to write these books. Uh, one became an international bestseller. One became an Amazon bestseller, um, which I'm, I'm not proud of that. I'm proud of the impact that that's caused because when every copy of the the legacy gets sold children in cambodia are being given education now you might be thinking that's only a small thing but because they've been given education it's taking them away from sex trafficking um and and the the sex trade it's you know that's the power of 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 a book and that's a power of community which is kind of what's led to uh, me creating the parental ceo yes. um which is what i'm doing now because you know, I identified, you know, as a parent, you know, I want to leave a legacy for my children. I couldn't find any real communities, Andrew. I couldn't find any communities to be a part of. So I thought to myself, well, if I can't find any communities, I'll create one. Being a creative accountant, it, um, it led, me to, led me to that uh, that place. And I've got another book, ebook uh, that's soon to be launched, which is, again, the principal CEO, uh, The Profit Drivers, I think which is we're looking at the nine profit drivers uh, for business, which covers a lot of the more detailed stuff that we're talking about today. So if you, if you are analytical um, and you know, you like understanding your numbers, you like data, then uh, it's, it's a perfect addition to improving your pricing uh, and improving your business. Um, we'll but, make sure Jamie, that we put a link to that on the, on the, yeah, thank you. Okay, yeah, that'd be awesome. To parental CEO. Can you tell us a bit more about parental CEO? Because I, I obviously I, I really like the, the the idea behind the fact that so many of us in today's business world and, and in, in any environment at the moment yeah. is so our time is taken up by work and yes. COVID and being restricted does not appear to have changed that for many people. It has it certainly has given people time to think about what they want in life as business owners we've kind of had our heads down and we've been just really trying to work hard and that at times is absolutely and i'll i'll you know i'll put my hands up to this as well that is to the detriment of my family at times yes yeah and i and, and this is what the parental ceo is all about it's about moving from that parentpreneur hustling you know ro almost robbing that time from your family to that parental ceo where you you're actually sat at the top of your your business sat at the top of your household, you know, with the, the team underneath you doing the work and you're just like the director of operations, so to speak. That's, it's almost like a mindset shift to actually have that mindset shift from a hustling parentpreneur to a parental CEO. And that's why we've created the community for like-minded people to come and share their success, share their struggles. You know, as, as, a, as a parent of uh, now three children, being a parent is is hard enough, uh, whilst also running a business um, 
is exceptionally difficult because like Andrew quite rightfully says, um, I think there's at times when I'm sat in my business seat, like I am now, and I, and I feel a bit guilty because I want to be with my children. And then there'll be times when I'm with my children, I'm thinking, oh no, I'm, I'm feeling guilty now. I think I should be spending time in my business. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like trying to deal with that, that guilt and um, that mindset. And I think, you know, having a community of like-minded people, you know, you drop a comment in there and then all of a sudden you've got hundreds of people, you know, saying, I completely get where you're coming from, Jamie, have you tried this? And I think it's just, it's just amazing to be a part of that community. Yes, I've started it, but you know, it's, it's, it's so needed, um, you know, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. We spend a lot of time, and you mentioned it earlier, environment dictates performance. Amen. And we spend a lot of time, our performance is driven by our work. Whereas, actually, the family is so very important as well, isn't it? And and as yeah. I say, I, I'm, I'm certainly in that camp of my family have suffered over time because of, and I'll give it, we'll, we'll t- sort of circle it right the way back to the start, working by the hour. It can it can be so detrimental. Yeah, mass- massively, um, and that's that's actually one of the main reasons I sold my practice. You know, everything that I had gone through. You know, uh, losing my sister in law, boom business deal. Um, you know, those things were, were you know horrific to go through. But then it was like a bit of a slap, 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 slap around the face to say, Jamie, what's important to you? And for me, it was it was being there for my family. It was being present with my family because when you're running a business, um, and in particular an accountancy practice, and I think this goes uh, shout out to all the accountants out there because of all the red tape, you know, all the red tape that we hit on all the hurdles, CPD, um, HMRC, you know, all of these things that we have to deal with as as accountants. All of um, the stuff that's not fee earning, you mean? Yes, <laughs> all of that <laughs> stuff that's not fee earning. Yeah. Um, it's it's incredibly it's incredibly stressful and it's incredibly time consuming and again that's just robbing time uh, away from uh, was what well, was robbing time from my family and I just said no enough's enough um, you know and I've over the last two years call it kind of a mini sabbatical you know I've I've worked I've done I've done coaching with clients and consulting with clients and I've only done that basically to pay my bills if that makes sense like I I did that because I had this massive mindset shift I had this vision of taking over the world being a billionaire but then when I had kids it 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 changed because I was like no I want to be that dad that's present I want to be that dad that does the drop off and pick up you know that's what I want to be I don't I don't want to be this this billionaire or, or hotshot or anything like that. I don't I don't want that. Um, and I want other parents to experience what I've had over the last uh, two years um, because it's been it's been amazing. You know, see, seeing my child walk for the first time. You know, things that I may have missed and I did miss with Tobias, my eldest, because I, I was running a business that ultimately wasn't in tune with the life that I wanted to live. Yeah. And I think that's a very important thing to do as well, is to make sure you're running a business that is true to what you want right now today. And time will change. You know, when my kids are at uh, university or college, you know, may- maybe the situation will change and maybe I'll want to be a billionaire again. So, and the only reason I want to be a billionaire is so I can change the world. Yeah, 
Brilliant. Jamie, this has been really, really useful. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank podcast. You, um, you know, I, I think if people are going to remember a few of the, the terms and the things that we've spoken about, pricing correctly is of paramount importance to any business. You can't price correctly unless you identify and control and understand your costs. Seller's reserve price, you know, your, your SRP, get you, you've got to know that. Guys, if you're listening to this, um, I'll put links to Jamie's um, to, to both Parental CEO below and um, Jamie's eBooks and um, and yeah, please please let us know how, what you think about this podcast and um, and Jamie, once again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. I hope you got some value from that, guys. If you did, then please tell some other people about the podcast. Pass it on to them. Pass it on to your family and your friends. And uh, feel free to rate and review on iTunes. And I will catch up with you next week. Take care of yourself. 